We're going to start today in John chapter number 8 and verse 59. The Bible says, Then took they up stones to cast at him, but Jesus hid himself, and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for all that we can learn from it. Lord, help us now as we seek to to teach and to preach your word for the next few moments. Lord, help us to understand it. Help us to apply it to our lives. Lord, we love you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, there are three times in the Gospel of John that we find the phrase, uh, mine hour is not yet come, or his hour was not yet come. There's several times in the Word of God when mobs of people attempt to take the life of the Lord. As we just read in John 8, 59, these people take up stones, they want to kill Christ, but he just passes right through them as if, as if nothing was going on at all. They're unable to do anything about it because Christ came to lay down his life as the Lamb of God. He came to take away the sins of the world in that way, but only according to his plan and his timing, not the timing and plans of an angry mob. Now, before we get to the real meat of the message today, I want to I back up and have you consider with me for a moment what all has transpired in John chapter number 8 up to this point. Now, I don't know... I know as a, as a church, we're studying through the Gospel of John right now, uh, but you personally, I don't know when the last time you read the Gospel of John was, but just as a reminder, in John chapter 8, and starting in verses 1 through 11, we find the story of the woman taken in adultery, where men interrupt Christ's teaching by throwing a guilty woman at his feet and trying to get him to make a judgment that they could find fault with. Yet Christ's famous answer of, "'He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her,' completely messes up their plans. In verse 12, he claims to be the light of the world. And in verse 13, essentially mankind says, no, you're not. In verses 14 through 30, the Lord teaches truth after truth. And the people, for the most part, either don't understand or don't believe. In verses 31 and 32, Christ states, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Well, that's, that's a common one, right? People know Uh, People know if you shall know the truth, the truth shall make you free. But uh, can I remind you that that verse starts with and, that's a conjunction. It's connected to the thought before it, which was, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. Now, I'm not talking about salvation by works here. talking about disciples, followers of the Lord. If you're a follower of the Lord, uh, you are, sorry, a follower of the Lord. If you continue in his word, and because of that, as a result of that, uh, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And the response from these men who are currently under Roman bondage at that moment in verse 32 of, of John chapter 8 is, We be Abraham's seed. We were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou ye shall be made free? Uh, the, reason, the reason for this recap is to show you the Lord is putting up with a lot in this chapter. He is doing so much good. He is teaching the word of God, he is teaching great truth to these people and they're just disagreeing and they're arguing and they're not believing. And, and that's frustrating enough for, for you and I. Uh, when you know something to be true without a shadow of a doubt, when you know that it's a fact, you know, not something you picked up off the news or social media, but you have personal firsthand knowledge, this is truth. And you try to relay that to somebody and they just won't get it. They either don't understand or they refuse to believe you. Um, that's very really difficult uh, for us. At least I know it is for me. But consider being God manifest in the flesh, the very one who created 
all things and trying to impart wisdom to, to people and them saying, well, I don't think you're right about that. Well, I don't agree with that. Well, I just don't understand what you're trying to say here. In the remainder of the passage of John chapter 8, Christ explains that the reason that these men are not understanding and accepting his message is because they are not of God. Uh, their response in verse 48 Say we not well that thou art a Samaritan and hast a devil. Man, oh, these guys are originals. Uh, even today you find people like that. You, you, you point out what the problem is and they say, no, the problem is you're, you know, you've got problems. I don't got problems. You got problems. You're a Samaritan. You're full of a devil. Uh, it's, it's just, it's a mess. These people are a mess. Everything Christ tries to teach them in John chapter 8, they either misunderstand or reject. Verse 30 says that many believe, but we still find after that that nearly 30, 30 more verses nearly of unbelief that comes to a head when Christ yet again reveals his true identity to them in John 8 verse 58. The Bible says, Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Now that's not grammatically incorrect. That's exactly what the Lord intended to say. And the Jews, of course, understood here that he was claiming to be God, manifest in the flesh, the I am of Exodus chapter 3, the very God who is not bound by the constraint of time, the word spoken uh, the word spoken of in John chapter 1, verse number 1 through 4, where it says, In the beginning was the Word, capital W, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. Now, Christ in John chapter 8 says, hey, before Abraham was, I am. And boy, that set people off. That is the precursor to the, to the verse we first read to begin our message today of John chapter 8 verse 59. Let's read that again. It says, then took they up stones to cast at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. Now, now that's all. this is all precursor. I, I want to get to the main thought here in a moment, but I just want you to remember what all just happened in John chapter 8. Think of how frustrating that must be to try and impart truth to people, to try and show love for people, to, to reveal to them things that they did not know before, and they reject you, and, and beyond that, they try to kill you when you tell them who you are. When you, when you speak truth to them, they, they try to kill you. Now, in that verse, verse 59, the Bible says that Christ hid himself and passed through the midst of them. When I read this most recently, it really got me thinking, today, Christ does not hide himself. In fact, John chapter 12, verse 32 states, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. The Lord is not hiding from people. People don't have to find God. He is not hidden. He is not uh, in some dark corner of your life somewhere just hoping you never find him. He is drawing people to himself. He is revealing himself to people. He's using the Holy Spirit to convict people of sin, to, to convince people that, that the, the Christ of the Bible is the truth. He is actively trying to make people, uh, give people opportunities, rather, to make the right choice and choose him as their savior. He is, he is not trying to hide. 
And yet it seems so often he passes through someone's life and they just don't see it. How often could we be guilty of the same thing as Jacob in Genesis twenty-eight sixteen, where it says, And Jacob was awaked out of his sleep and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place and I knew it not. How often do we wake up, go about our day and lay back down to sleep, having never given the Lord a thought, having never spent 10 minutes in prayer, having not opened the word of life, having not acknowledged the Lord's handiwork all around us. God help Christians to not live as though Christ is some hidden thing. God help us to see the Lord in everything that we do. I had a friend from from Michigan visiting me recently, and we went to uh, McConnell's Mill State Park. And uh, and we were there, and we were walking up the, uh, we were hiking up the falls there at Breakneck Falls, and he just stopped, he looked around, he said, how can people not believe in God? And the reason he said that is because he saw the Lord's handiwork in the beauty of of that creation that God had made. The Lord is not hiding from us, and yet... Today, it seems so many people just pass by and don't notice the miracles and don't notice the blessings and don't notice the truth of the Word of God. Now, the reason I bring you to this point today is is because the story is not over. The chapter ends at verse 59, but chapter 9, verse 1 begins with the word and. And is a conjunction. Again, so the thought is connected don't just read one chapter a day. You've you got to read to the end of the story sometimes. So they take up the rocks to throw at him. He passes through the midst of them, hides himself, gets out of there. It says, and, and passed by in verse number one of John chapter nine. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. As Christ was leaving the crowd that wanted him dead, the Lord noticed a blind man. Now, we won't get into that story today, but we do know that Christ restores this man's sight. And just think, moments before, Christ was teaching, he was revealing himself to people, and and the Jews, men that Christ created in the beginning of time, the Jews, a people God called unto himself out of all the nations of the world, the Jews, a people God blessed beyond all nations of the earth, They rejected him, they rejected his word, and they tried to kill him. Christ is under no obligation, God is under no obligation to do anything for us. We are not worthy of any good thing from God. That's why it's called grace and mercy. God shows us grace, God shows us mercy, and and thank the Lord for that because we don't deserve the good things that God gives us. At this point, I could so, you could so easily justify and see the Lord just saying, you know what, I'm done with this. Mankind isn't worth the trouble. Mankind is evil and corrupt. They're not worth saving. They aren't worth the humiliation of being in a human body instead of at the throne of God, dying on a cross. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to take this anymore. I'm going back to heaven. Good luck on your own, mankind. He could have said, that's it. He could have said, I'm done, but instead, as Christ is escaping a crowd that wants him dead, he takes time to notice a man blind from his birth, just as we, when we are born, are blinded by our sin. We are all born in sin. 
The Lord has mercy on him. The Lord shows him compassion. The Lord requires nothing from that blind man but an act of faith, and his sight is restored, his eyes are opened, and that's just our God. That's just what Jesus Christ does. Though we treat him like dirt, though we refuse to obey, though we ignore his word, he still cares. He still teaches. He still saves sinners and suffers us saints. Though we spit in his face, he still loves us and cares for us. He still says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He still gives us new blessings every single day. He still allows us to live our lives and to have this freedom to make choices. And he desires us to make the right ones. What a God, what a Savior, what a friend we have in Jesus. And yet, how many of us live our days so often as if he's just some hidden thing? It takes... All our effort to feel like we've met with God sometimes. I've got to go to Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night. Maybe by the end of Sunday night service, my heart might be right enough that I can feel like I've met with God. Got to read my Bible and pray every day. Got to read my. Got to do all these things, and I just I'm so far away from God so often. We're so far away from God so often and we we ignore God so often in our lives. It's almost as though he's hiding from us. In reality, we're hiding from him. God wants to be a part of our lives. God wants to be active in our lives. And yet we only want him active in our lives when we need something. We only want him to be a part of our lives when it benefits us directly. Why? He's already benefited us more than we could ever ask or think. If you're saved today, if you have a Bible reason to know that you're going to heaven when you die, if you are a blood-bought, born-again believer in Jesus Christ and nothing else, then he has saved you from your sin, loosed those, those pains of death, set you on a path to heaven when you die instead of hell, And giving you promise upon promise upon promise upon promise upon promise in his word that he will be with you, that he will guide you into all truth, that he will will help and bless you if you'll just obey him, if you'll just seek him, if you'll just live for him. It's time in America that we start that we stop hiding from God and we start telling the world how amazing he truly is